Hello and welcome to Midlife Clarity where we're talking about how to get exactly what you want out of your next chapter in life and that's Midlife Clarity because the crisis is not mandatory. This is the second episode. I'm your host Monica Shell, and last time we just did a little bit of an introduction about what we're going to be doing here. If you're thinking about um, what your purpose in life is, if you're questioning a lot of things about what you've already accomplished in life and why you haven't accomplished more and what it is you're really supposed to be doing, or if these are the things that are keeping you up at three in the morning, staring at the ceiling, you are in the right place. Over the next few weeks, I'm going to spend some time walking you through what I call my 10 principles of transformation. And these are things that I teach, things that I live by, things I've learned a lot from and through. And I want to share them with you so that as we go along on this journey, we will have more of a shared language and we can have a lot better, deeper conversations. Don't forget to join us in the Telegram chat for Midlife Clarity. It's not hard to find. If you can't find it, just email me at Monica at MarieSheffield.com and I will send you a link or send you an invite to the Telegram chat. Would love to get your take on the concepts that we talk through. Let me know how they're working for you, how you're applying them, and if you have any questions about them. So here we go. We're going to talk this week about principle number one for me, which is you are a work in progress, not a finished product. That's the principle. Present you and future you are two different people. What I have found is that people who aren't open to this concept are never able to envision a different future from where they are right now. And therefore, they never build an effective bridge to that future. In other words, it keeps them stuck. So some of the ways that you might recognize if you're in this place of stuck before, because you're not envisioning a different future um, or, or some of the old beliefs that I'm going to lay out for you here. These are things that might seem familiar to you. The reason this concept is important for you to understand is that it's the first step in you believing that what you've been and where you've been up to this point, good, bad, or indifferent, can be and will be different than the future you. You can manage that. You can, in as much as is our ability, you can control it or you can let it happen. There are things you can do to steer yourself in the direction that you want to go. And it's going to be important to figure out what direction that is. But right now, all I need you to do is start opening the door to the belief that you are a work in progress. You're not a finished product. I don't care what your age is right now. There's more to come for you. There's more development. There's more growth for you than where you are right now. So here's some things that might sound familiar to you if you're kind of in that stuck place. One thing that I've heard people say is, I am who I am and that's who I'll always be. I call this one the, the Popeye belief. I am what I am. This is a person who is rock steady, never wavers, and they take some pride in that like it's a badge of honor. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but if you 
assume that you are who you are and that's who you're always going to be, you could have a problem envisioning a different future for yourself. When I talk about you not being who you're going to be, I'm not talking about your core beliefs, the things that you truly value and hold dear. What I'm talking about is kind of the things you surround yourself with, the people, the work, the music, the books, how you spend your time, what you focus your energy on, all of those things. Those things will change, and they should. The next belief that may keep you stuck is this sense of, I'm doing pretty good considering. That's what I call the comparative hero. This is often somebody who has experienced some pain or traumatic childhood in their background. Um, Often there was a sense of lack versus abundance. So not enough, not enough money, not enough food, maybe even not enough love. Maybe they experienced some embarrassment, some fear, even abuse. And, And remember, when we think about trauma, it doesn't have to be something that's overtly physical. It could have been a traumatic event that you experienced. This is one I've been guilty of saying, too, because I had a childhood where it, there certainly wasn't a lack of love, but we never had enough money. And there was some trauma involved, not necessarily around the money, but around events. And I have said before, you know, I think I'm doing pretty good considering it, it sets you up to say, look, I know where I came from. It sucked. It was not an ideal childhood in a lot of ways. And where I am right now is wonderful compared to that. And I don't need to do any better. I don't need to do anything different. And I should be grateful for being able to reach this level and in any of these thoughts that I'm having that I want to do more, be more, see more, serve in more impactful ways, that's just me being selfish. That's the kind of thing that this belief leads to when you start to try to explore the possibilities. This kind of belief shuts you down. Another one is you can't teach an old dog new tricks. I've heard that one before. That's what I call the has-been belief. This is somebody who thinks I'm too far along in life to make significant changes. I'm comfortable with the old and everybody around me is comfortable with the old me. Well, comfortable to your brain might mean safe. Comfortable and familiar might mean safe, but it's not necessarily what's best for you. It's not necessarily going to help you position yourself to serve in the best way that you can and to make the most impact that you can and to really achieve and and grab onto the things that are really important to you. So if that sounds familiar to you, I'm glad you're here. Here's another one. Imagination isn't my strong suit, so I can't envision a different future. That's the staunch realist. That's somebody who says, I know the way things are right now. Um, This is what it is. I really don't have an imagination. I can't sit here and go, oh, I wonder what life would be like if I did this and this. Just can't imagine it. And I have a few words to say that might counteract that. And we're going to talk about those in just a few minutes. Let me get through this list first, though. Another one is, if I don't get everything I envision immediately, I failed. That is the perfectionist. 
somebody who's who's grown up with an idea or developed it even as an adult that immediate success is the only worthy success and it has to be exactly what you asked for exactly what you thought you wanted in order for you to feel like you've accomplished something we're going to talk about how to get around that too now the last one that i'll list here is one i've heard a lot of and and i think we hear more of it the older we get and and we see other people doing really well others are so far ahead of me I'll never catch up. This one I call the comparative zero. We talked earlier about the comparative hero. This one I call the comparative zero because comparison is one of those things that's so harmful to our emotional and mental well-being. I'll lean more into this and why that is, but just know that it doesn't matter where anybody else is. You don't know the reasons they're there. And when we compare, we're doing ourselves a lot of harm. And we're, we're going to talk about that. But let me go back to the beginning of that list. And let's talk about the things that, that we want to try to counter this belief with. Each one of these beliefs I'm going to touch on and give you Maybe an alternate perspective. Again, I mean, that's why I'm here. I started this podcast to give people who reach a certain age and have all these questions about what's it all about and what am I supposed to be doing? I wanted to give you some perspective and some guidance on on how you might make difference for yourself going forward. So let's try to clear out that first one. I am who I am and that's who I'll always be. Remember, that's the Popeye one. If you were to think back on your life and walk through the whole thing from birth until now, you would realize that you have been a different person at each stage because your experiences have shaped you along the way. As an example, we have gone from a helpless infant to a walking toddler who could pour their own juice, um, a toddler to a schoolager. Then when you're a schoolager, you can dress yourself and you can catch the bus. Then from a schoolager to a teenager, driving a car, working, navigating relationships. Then on to a college student or going to trade school or going out on your own and going to work, living away from home, managing a schedule, maybe even managing money. And then maybe even moving into a career-oriented person with deadlines and working relationships and budgets and negotiating. You get what I'm saying here? Then probably either before or after that, maybe you became a spouse. That's a whole new life, right? You're living intimately with someone. You're carving out and creating life as a unit, navigating, retaining your own self and your family connections as you build your marriage. Before or after that, you may have become a parent. Actually, you became an expectant parent and then a parent, which are, again, are two different stages in life. These take every skill you've learned up to this point, plus some. Maybe even at some point, you have become an orphan as you have witnessed the passing of your parents. This 
little exercise, if you just think it through, hopefully you can come to the realization or at least come to uh, at least nodding your head with me that you actually have been many people in your lifetime and you will be a different person in their, in your future than you are right now. So hopefully we can at least agree on that. How about I'm doing pretty good considering this is our comparative hero. If that one sounded familiar to you as something you've heard in your head, hopefully you're listening up. Think about the handicap that you believe affected you the most. I'm not saying it did. I'm saying the one that you believe affected you most. As I mentioned, I grew up without without much money. Think about how how old you were and your earliest memory of being impacted by that. How old were you the first time that whatever that that so-called handicap is, um, that you remember your life or your emotional well-being or anything being impacted by that? I think I was maybe 10 years old, something like that. I think it had to do with clothes. You know, girls are mean, and somebody made a smart remark about my clothes, and I think I, I made up a lie about how many pairs of pants I had or anything. And, and I'm sure... I'm sure that at some point earlier than that, before that, I realized we didn't have any money, but that was the first time anybody had been kind of mean about it. And I remember feeling not good enough and feeling like I just really wanted to kind of disappear. I want you to imagine that that child, whatever age you remember being that earliest memory of the impact of the handicap, I want you to imagine that that child's sitting in front of you right now. Feeling the pain of that situation, the sting that went along with it. Imagine that she feels like her life is never going to be good because of how she or he feels about what's happening right now. And I want you to imagine that it is your job to help her understand that her life is going to be brighter, more beautiful than she can ever imagine right now. What would you say to her? What would you tell her if it was your job to convince that child that her life's going to be wonderful? It's going to turn out fine. And even though she can't imagine it, it's going to be a beautiful thing. What would you tell her? Because that's what you need to be telling yourself at this point. Because somewhere inside all of us is that five, seven, or ten-year-old child who felt the pain of what has become in their head a handicap in their life. And we have to get past it. You know, we have to move. Be- I didn't say get over it. I said we have to get past it. We have to move beyond it. And the way we do that is, you know, showing ourselves the same kindness as we would show a child who had the same kind of pain. So something to think about. How about the one that I mentioned, you can't teach an old dog new tricks, the has-been? If that's you, if you're the, can't teach an old dog new tricks, can't learn anything new. How old were you the last time you got a new phone? Matter of fact, how did you come to be listening to or, or tuning in to this podcast today? How do you get your groceries? You know, do you go on an app on your phone and order them and then go pick them up? Here's one. Did you, do you deal with your grandchildren differently than you dealt with your children? Hmm. 
the bottom line is that you can learn and adapt every day without even realizing it. You can make it intentional too. So another, another little nugget for thought. How about the belief that imagination isn't my strong suit, so I can't envision a different future. This is that staunch realist that I mentioned earlier. Can you think of a time when one of these things happened that I'm about to list and how agitated, nervous, and anxious you felt? And you're probably going to feel it when I say it. When I mention these events to you, somewhere some, you're going you're gonna to feel this tightening, this, this anxiety that's going to kind of hit you out of nowhere because you've been in the situation before. So here's a few things. One time when your boss said cryptically, I need to talk with you. Come by this afternoon. You ever had that one? Or how about when your significant other said, we need to talk. Or how about when you sent someone a text and they didn't text right back? I myself went through this recently. Somebody that I really um, wanted to have some contact and conversation with, and it took a long time for them to get back with me, and I got a little anxious. Um, okay, a lot anxious. <laughs> so um, I know that it happens to a lot of people. How about uh, a time when maybe you thought about doing something or saying something, but you stopped short, like in a meeting or in a conversation, you thought, oh, I should say this, but you stopped yourself. Or maybe there was a, a lunch with a group that you didn't get invited to or a party. Every, you know, a bunch of other people went and you didn't get invited to go. Think about all those situations and remember how you felt. That anxiety, that nervousness, that um, agitation. Remember how you felt and really I want you to examine why you felt that way. The reason I want you to think about it is because you probably felt that way because you were imagining either the reasons why the thing happened or what might happen next. Oh, what did I do? What did they find out that I did? What's going on now? What's on her mind? What's on his mind? Um, oh, they're not texting me back. I must have said something wrong. Did I say something wrong? Let me go back and reread my text three to five times. Uh, everybody else got invited to this lunch. What happened? I mean, did I, I put on deodorant this morning? You know, why does everybody hate me? Whatever. You're imagining why the thing happened or what might happen next. You created scenarios in your head to fill in the gaps. So you, you do have an imagination. If you've ever felt anxiety or anxiousness or uh, agitation, nervousness around any of these type situations, you have an imagination, whether you realize it or not. The thing is, you can either let your imagination serve you and be useful, or you can let it make you anxious and afraid. And what we're going to try to do is point you toward the serving and useful. How about the belief that if I don't get everything I envision immediately, I failed? The good old perfectionist. Everything has to come together exactly the way you want it to, or it just wasn't worth doing any of it. How about this, uh, this cliche that we all probably grew up with that says anything worth doing is worth doing well or worth doing right. I've heard it both ways. 
that I'm just, I'm going to put a big X on that, like a big game show X. Bonk. Let's get rid of that. Because here's what I say. Anything worth doing is worth figuring out. How's that? How's that for a switch up? I believe, and I got this from one of my mentors, Nick Peterson. He said, you can have it all. You just can't have it all right now. We have to prioritize. We have to prioritize where we put our energy, our bandwidth, our resources against the thing that is going to move us closer to what we want, faster with the least amount of effort and the most amount of options, period. Whenever we attach our sense of success to the outcome, that can be harmful because the outcome is something we can't control. What we can control is what we do, what we think. That's it. I used this example before. My, my dad has a beautiful backyard citrus orchard. He lives in lower Alabama. And I'm sure at some point he thought to himself, yeah, it'd be nice to have a bunch of fruit trees out here. But he didn't start off with this orchard. He has followed a process to learn how to be a very good grower of citrus trees. If you've got all your focus on, ooh, I want an orchard, ooh, I want an orchard, and you're not really getting into the process of learning how to grow trees or that type of tree well, you're missing a lot of the journey. And if, you know, hurricane whoever comes through and wipes out your orchard, it's going to be a a pretty, you know, tragic blow for you if you have tied up your entire sense of accomplishment in the orchard. So I'm saying let's tie our sense of accomplishment to the process of learning how to be a very good grower of trees. And the orchard is going to be a byproduct. Hopefully that makes sense. I'm not saying you shouldn't have goals. I'm not saying don't have that orchard on your vision board or whatever it is you use to motivate yourself. Just don't get too tied to the outcome coming to you quickly and, you know, as quickly as you think you should have it. Get more interested in the journey of becoming the person who achieves the thing. We're going to talk later about raising the floor. It's a big one for me and that's, it involves not trying to shoot for the moon in the things that you pursue daily instead of shooting for the moon and in your just the very very best performance you could ever do instead of shooting for that all the time we're going to shoot for raising the floor because when you raise the floor all the time then that floor is going to get closer and closer to the ceiling and you're going to consistently perform at a higher level we're going to talk through all of this so don't get wrapped up in the axles around as we walk through it the last belief that I wanted to address is the one that says others are so far ahead of me that I will never catch up. Others are so far ahead of me, I'll never catch up. That is the comparative zero you might remember from just a couple minutes ago. This is, you know, you, you watch other people in the office or online or in, you know, some of your social groups and, and how they're winning. Here's what I'll ask you. What does that have to do with you? Um, if, if you look at them and think, man, they're so far ahead of me, it, you know, so-and-so's got this great business. 
Uh, they donate all this money to charity. They, you know, they are in this huge house and their grandkids stay with them all the time or they travel extensively. I'll never be there. What, what does any of that have to do with you? And, and, and I'm not asking that in a smart way. I'm saying they don't sit where you sit. And you don't know that their version of winning really matches up to yours. Unless you have a very clear picture right now that what they have is exactly what you want. And, and that's hardly ever the case. You're just imagining. You're imagining that they're winning at life and you're not, but you don't know. Now, the other thing, you don't even know if it's true. You know, you might see a picture of a guy standing in front of a yacht and be led to believe that it's his and it may not be, it may be rented. It may not even be one he rented, you know. It might be just something he happened to pass by and stopped and take a picture in front of it. You don't know if any of it is even true. And here's... Here's the big one for me. You don't know what they gave up in order to look like they're winning. You know, I remember years ago, probably 10 years ago, I was a supply chain manager in a big plant, a, a cracker plant. And I was having a conversation with my husband about, about the plant and just different things and, and pay and money. And he said, you know, you realize that those couple guys that you work with that are the same, same level as you, you realize they probably make more money than you, don't you? And I said, yeah, I do. I hope they do. I hope they do. And he was, he was shocked because I'm, you know, I'm not a big flaming women's liver, but I do believe that women who work the, who do the same work, um, and men, women and men who do the same work should be paid the same if their performance is the same. And he was shocked to hear me say, yeah, I hope, uh, I hope those two guys do make more money than me. And he said, I, I can't believe he said that. <laughs> Explain, please. And I did. So, so what I said is that I know for a fact that both of them are in that plant earlier than me. And they are in there a lot of times when I'm leaving, they're still there. They're heavily involved on the, on the operation side in the production area of the plant and it can be hard work, dirty work, messy work. Even though they're on at a management staff level, they were very hands-on and would roll up their sleeves and get involved whenever there was a, you know, a problem or an issue out on the lines. And and just even just the fact that they're there that many hours a week more than me. I wasn't willing at that time in my life and because I'd already been through that stage. I wasn't willing to give the kind of time that they were to the place that where we worked and take away from my home time, from my family time. And actually, I thought it was fair <laughs> that they made more money than me. They were willing to give up in order in order to win. I'm assuming it was winning in their eyes. And, you know, maybe maybe the reality was they were doing it just because they thought it was the right thing to do. I don't know, but for me, I know what I'm willing to give up. And I don't look at other people and think, oh, you know, I wish I had that or they're they're doing so much better than me because they might have given up something on their own that I'm not willing to give up. And so it doesn't bother me 
that they appear to have something that I don't have, even if it's something that eventually I want to have. I'll find a, a way to get it without giving up what I really want. So that is the, that's the wrap on kind of giving you some alternate perspectives, other things to think about that might conquer some of these old beliefs that stick with you and keep you stuck. What I'll ask is that you listen to this again. I mean, this is only, this has been what a short, I don't know how many minutes we are right now, but it's not many. Uh, don't make any decisions right now on whether you think I'm full of it or, you know, whether you think any of this is right or wrong. Just think about it. Listen to this again. If something intrigues you and you think, oh, that sounds familiar. I wonder, you know, I wonder about this perspective. Um, I know this is something I've been thinking. Journal about it, you know, just journal about it. Talk to your friends about it. Talk to me about it. Come on into the Telegram chat. Talk with me about it. We can, we can have some good conversations in there. And the more of you that join us in there, the more elevated these conversations will be and the more progress we're all going to make. So I'd love to have you join us. Give all this some thought and remember that what we're after here is midlife clarity because the crisis is not mandatory. We'll see you next week.